You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Brian Buckley. Brian is the CEO and founder at Helmand Valley Growers Company. Now, before that, he was a special operations team commander with Marine Raiders and was awarded both the Bronze Star Medal with Combat Distinguishing Device for Heroic Service and the Purple Heart Medal for Wounds Received During Combat Operations. Brian, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, and thank you for your service to our country. Well, thank you, and it's great to be here. Now, before we get into the questions about business, let me ask you this. When you officially were done with your active military service, what did you realize you had missed most regarding civilian life? I think really just kind of the personal freedom. You know, you have to ask for permission a lot in the military, and especially if you like you want to go away and there's certain boundaries and things like that, where all suddenly you just kind of cut loose and you could just go away for a weekend and not have to tell anyone. So I was like, man, I kind of just missed that. So that was probably the first thing I really noticed. It's one of those things where you almost don't even realize that you don't have it until suddenly you're going, wait, I I don't have to add. There's no paperwork. There's no chain of command. I could just do it because I feel like it. It's almost kind of weird. It's like in Shawshank Redemption when (laughs) Morgan Freeman always has to ask permission to go to the bathroom. He's like, I just Mm -hmm. can't do it. That was kind of how I was. I'm like, I feel like I need to get permission to go away for the weekend, but I didn't. So that was kind of nice. That's awesome. Now, give everybody a quick overview. What is HVG Company? Yeah, so Helmand Valley Growers Company, we are a cannabis company. Uh, Our ultimate goal is that we want to be able to provide veterans medical cannabis and make it federally legal. So we are working with an Israeli uh, research team. Uh, We got our first study design at an institutional review board, getting ready to go, be one of its first of its kind. And we can actually start studying what cannabis can do with the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. And with our recreational brand that's out right now, 100% of our profits goes back to the veteran medical cannabis research. So not only get you get a great product, but your dollars could go beyond and uh, really maybe change the medical landscape of this country. So just to make sure that people didn't miss that piece in the middle, the focus with veterans in particular is because it's viewed as a remedy or a therapy of some sort for PTSD. Did I catch that? You're absolutely correct. Instead of getting what we kind of refer to as the VA cocktail, where there's just a lot of pills and uppers and downers and left and rights and things to counter those pills, we believe that the plant might be all the medicine that you need. Terrific. Okay. Well, let's see. From there, this obviously is something I would assume, maybe I shouldn't say obviously, but I'm guessing it can be somewhat of an uphill battle to legislate for cannabis for any reason, recreational, therapeutic, or otherwise. So in this uphill climb, who do you need to influence? There's a lot of people we need to influence, but what I have been really focusing on is one, just kind of working on the cannabis community itself. I'm more of an outsider. I wasn't someone who kind of came up through the um, Prop 215 days, as they say, back in 1996 when medical cannabis became legal in the state. So that has been my biggest hurdle. We're having some really great success. And now we're starting to, or I am starting to work on politicians. That is going to be My next big challenge is once I have this institutional review board in hand, I want to go to Washington and make friends with both Democrats and Republicans 
keep them updated on what I'm doing here. And like I said, uh, after we go through a couple of these researches that we're going to do, hopefully we get a chance where I can go back in front of Congress and raise my right hand and say, you've asked for data. Here it is. You've asked for American doctors. Here they are. Can we get on with this and put it into the VA system, thus making medical cannabis federally legal? So lobbying efforts sounds like. Yes. Yes. There will be some lobbying efforts for sure. That's a Definitely a tall hill to climb, I think, anytime you're trying to get through Congress, as, as we see on a daily basis, for anybody who can stand watching the news anymore. So, <laughs> Very true. So then what's the biggest communication challenge that you and the organization are facing today? Is that it? Or is there something else that's right here and right now? You know, right here, right now, I think what I need to do better is our communication flow throughout the organization. We're still somewhat young, but we're doing really well and we're expanding very fast and working on scalability, but to ensure, you know, sometimes when you're moving so fast and there's a lot of great wins you're having, sometimes the little things kind of get a little bit relaxed. And I think communication is paramount in anything, but I think that's something I have to work on a little bit more is just making sure not only am I communicating people, but I get the feedback that they actually understand what I was communicating just in order to kind of avoid some mishaps that can occur when you have a miscommunication. So if I understand, then when you say communication flow within the organization, it's as the company is, as the organization is expanding, just the chain of command, making sure that you're communicating down to your direct reports and to everybody who's part of the company itself. Absolutely. One song, one voice. So we all got to be on the same sheet together. So those are things where I always tell people you can move fast, you can do great things and move at the speed of trust, but you got to make sure you're taking care of the little things. And sometimes communication can fall by the wayside and that's just not good. Sure. Moving at the speed of trust is terrific unless everybody's moving at that same speed, but in opposite directions. Correct. Okay. <laughs> then what communication skills did you personally have to develop in order to get to this point? Really, I think what I, um, I, I always struggled with public speaking and it just mm. really wasn't my thing, but I just believe living a life of fear is not a good way to live life. So I always want to overcome it. And, you know, I just think through what I've been through in my life and being in leadership roles in the military, um, you know, it's kind of naturally groomed me to kind of have that presence and, you know, be able to work with people and kind of get my messages out to people and to make sure. I mean, at times I had to deal with some really high stakes where lives were on the line. That has definitely kind of helped me enhance my communication skills within a team and then also outside of the team and the organization and just prep people and brief them on what we are and what we're trying to accomplish. You know, I, I always have to marvel when I hear current or, or former military talking about fear of public speaking. I sit there and think, you run through bullets. You've dealt with artillery fire. You have a purple heart. You should look at an audience, a stadium full of people and go, Psh, what do you got? Bring it on. You can't do anything to me. I mean, come on. I'm practically bulletproof or other than the one that didn't get proofed. So, you know, why is it scary? I think it's just more of a fear, like, I don't want to make a mistake. And when you put yourself out there, maybe you say the wrong thing and people might start like, is this guy for real or what's going on here? And again, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm new to the cannabis game. I've been doing this for about four years, which still makes me kind of, you know, a new kid on the block, if you will. And I have a lot of respect and admiration for a lot of people in this community. So for me, I'm just like, did I do this right? Am I saying the right thing? How's this going to go? You know, I just want to make sure I don't even make a one thing that could be misconstrued because, you know, would that blow up the company? And it's a lot of things you start worrying about things you shouldn't worry about. And, you know, one thing I'm trying to work on was I was watching what was it called The Last Dance, where it was about the Bulls and their run with Michael Jordan and Phil sure. Jackson. 
And one of the players was saying, he's like, one of the things that was most impressive about Michael Jordan was he was always in the moment. And, you know, just show him walking down the hallway and he's joking around with the security guard and all these little things. And they're like, players is like, are you worried about the game? He goes, why would I worry about a shot I haven't even taken yet? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? That sounds really cool. Like that guy can just be in the moment. And that's something I'm trying to work on versus getting all, am I going to say this wrong? Is that could be right? I don't know. And kind of, right. you know freaking myself out a little bit you just kind of get into that flow and i'm not saying we all could be like a michael jordan but that's something i'm i'm personally trying to get more like of just living in the moment prep you're ready you got it just enjoy it i love that quote did i get it right that it's why would i worry about a shot i haven't taken yet yep nice nice I think that's it's like it sounds so simplistic but it's like really difficult so it was kind of really <laughs> free when i heard that <laughs> and there's a huge difference between that which is simple and that which is easy very well said. Right, that's so, what I always tell people. That's uh, good to be mindful of the things that are simple so that you can keep reminding yourself of them. But then, of course, they take a little bit of work, ironically. Then in that learning curve, what's one big mistake that you made or a lesson you had to learn the hard way? You know, for me, uh, I always joke around. I, I'm Irish. You put a microphone in front of me, you know, you'll never get it back. And <laughs> you very, you know, and like I'm very like, as you see, I'm moving around doing all this with my hands. There's times when I've got to work on my nonverbal communication. Okay. where maybe people are talking to me and it's not what I had in mind. And I might kind of do like a, uh, or like one of these, or I kind of look down and mm-hmm. that can kind of kill a flow of conversation at that point. And maybe the communication is going to start getting lost because now they're paying attention to my body language and I'm not happy. And did that happen at one point? Did something- it absolutely did. It- what happened? Tell me a story. Very recently, uh, just one of me and one of the other founders were having a conversation about our scalability and what we need to do and enhance our growth here in San Diego. And there was things where I just was not agreeing with, and I very much saw it on my body and he saw it and the conversation started getting awkward and we just kind of yelled at each other. And then we kind of like walked away and uh, we came back and I said, all right, that was really stupid. I said some things, you said some things, you know, and it's like kind of like uh, makeup stories, but that's something where it's like, Hey, you got to let people while they're communicating to you, let them get through the whole entire thing they're trying to accomplish. Cause you know, one thing we did in the Marine Corps, whenever we gave a brief, it was always at the beginning, you said, hold all questions to the end. And there's a set format of how it's, it's called OSMIAC. It's a whole like orientation situation, mission, blah, 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 blah. And it's funny because you're going to answer someone's question that they probably had within the first paragraph. They're probably like, Oh, what about this? You're going to get there. So it's kind of just like, hold it to the end. And if we didn't get there, then bring up a question, but don't screw up the flow of of the op order. And that's something I could be a little bit better at where I was like, that was on me where I should have just sat there, been patient, listened to everything. And then it probably would have made more sense to me versus me just getting more emotional. And, you know, that's just not good. That was bad leadership on my point. So, you know, just got to refine and go back at it again. So if you could go back and have a do over in that conversation, what would it have looked like? I would have been very quiet and had a smile on my face and just listened to the whole thing <laughs> and then said, okay, and just took notes and like, what about this, this and that? At times it's hard. I try not to bring emotion into the workplace, but we're all humans and we're all fallible. And sometimes we just have those days. And that's one thing, you know, it beats me up when that happened. I mean, I was up all night where I was like, you're better than that. This is stupid. Why, why'd you get like that? And, uh, but again, it's like, I always look at a mistake as, as experience and you learn yeah. from, just don't repeat it. So it just, gain more experience. So we'll be better for it. I think that's something we can all relate to, too, where we have those moments. And when it's done, you look back and you go, come on, you're better than that. You know better than that. You should have said this. You shouldn't have done that. And then, you know, we can be good at staying up all night or for however long we decide to let it just sit there and 
go on automatic replay loop ad nauseum as you're going over and over it again. But ideally, you know, you learn the lesson and you move on instead of sitting there and mentally flagellating yourself over and over again can be tough to move on. So then what's the next big goal for you, for you personally or for the company? And what kind of communication skills do you think you'll need to develop in order to achieve that goal? Yeah, well, it goes back to getting this institutional review board. As an organization, this will be the first of its kind, being a private institutional review board. There's been academic and there's been uh, institutional. And so like we talked about earlier, you know, once I have this IRB in hand, that's when Mr. Buckley goes to Washington. (laughs) And this is going to be really big on my communication where I'm going to actually work with people and coach me up a little bit on it, making sure I'm articulating exactly what we're trying to do in the most concise way possible because you get one shot with some of these uh, politicians and you really want to come off in a great strong way that they can believe in you. Um, Everything's an influence operation. So you want to kind of bring them onto your side and let them be a part of it. So that for me will be my next big, uh, I call it the alligator closest to the boat. That's going to be like my next one that I I see swimming towards me that I have to get ready to uh, hit that thing over the head with a paddle. I wonder how many politicians end up listening to this podcast and go, okay, I'm the next alligator he's going to hit over the head. Okay, note to self, brace myself with my anti-alligator, I don't know, it's not a spray, probably whatever works for anti-alligator devices. That's funny. All right, so Brian, this brings us to our listener 24-hour influence challenge. Given everything we've discussed so far, this is your chance to speak directly to our listeners and to challenge them to take one step in the next 24 hours, they have to complete it in order to have more influence. How do you want to challenge our listeners today? You know, I've really thought about this for a while and I had a lot of different things come up to me, but I went back to one of my favorite conversations I had with, um, I was in the room, uh, a, a gentleman named General McChrystal. So he challenged us one time and he's like, you know, what do you guys think you should focus on? Should you focus on what you're good at or should you focus at what, you know, and I'm just going to say what he said is like, or should you focus on what you suck at? And mm-hmm. we were like, uh, well, focus on what you suck at so you can become better and all that. He goes, no. He's like, whatever you're good at, focus on that and become great. He's like, because if you focus on what you suck at, all you're going to do is just suck less at it. You're still not going to be good. So what I would challenge everyone is literally sit down, think about what am I really good at, and then come up with a plan of how can you become great at it Hmm. and just see how that goes. All right. So you've got some back of the envelope or cocktail napkin scrawling to do if you're much more organized, the word processor, but sit down and start to brainstorm. What are you good at and how can you become great? I love it. All right. Then let's talk a little bit about how you guide others on the journey as you are building this organization. When you think about things like leadership presence in the in the military, I'm sure it was referred to as something more like command presence. Often in the corporate world, we hear executive presence. However you want to refer to it, whatever you label you like, how do you recognize it in others? Well, when I was going through and coming up with this plan, it was definitely you know really out there. But what was kind of nice is I think with my background being in special ops and kind of operating in austere environments and doing things that people might look at as not being really possible... I think that gave me some credibility and especially with the people we brought on board were people I've served with. And we kind of already had that implicit communication of like, hey, if we really put our minds to this, we're going to do very good and we can make this happen. So that was kind of my first step was really influencing others around me to join this. And then, like I said, it was then kind of going out and making a lot of mistakes, but then convincing others about what we're doing is very legitimate and something that's groundbreaking and will be completely different from what everyone's seen. And, you know, at first there was people kind of looking at us like, well, you know, you're a vet and you're doing the cannabis thing and okay. But 
Now, I think through the validation that uh, I've presented by going out and getting an IRB and actually doing what we said we're going to do, that has really helped us. And it's great because when I come into rooms now with people, it, you can tell they, they know that as a team or as myself, we're very serious people about what we're trying to do and we're the real deal. And that was one of the things I really wanted to keep this organization known as a company with a soul. And, you know, we're very mission oriented. And like I said, that overall has helped us win the day so far. So the command presence of sorts, you feel like when you're walking in as a team that people recognize that cohesion? What I'm That's the cohesion. And I and people know um, myself and the other people in our organization, we're very serious and we're going to make this happen. Just even to the point that I have had to go through to get here has been a heck of a journey. And um, But it's kind of how it is in cannabis. A lot of people have those stories, but you know, you went through the growing pains. I kept my head up, kept going, kept moving forward. And here we are today. And we're about to do something uh, pretty incredible. So within the company, when you're looking either to groom a high potential or to hire, you're expanding quickly. So I'm guessing there's a lot more external hiring than promotion going on at this point. What are the three most important communication skills you look for? You know, the first thing I really, when I'm interviewing someone, again, it's it's a nonverbal communication. It is eye contact. I want to make sure you're taking me seriously and showing me the respect and, you know, you're paying attention to what I'm saying. I really look for people who are positive. I do not like having interviews where someone might have left a job and you ask them, why'd you leave a job? And they just burn down everyone back at that place. It makes me think a little bit. It probably has to do with them. And then really big thing is I want to see their leadership potential. I like hiring leaders. I always go into the room uh, looking to hire my next boss. So I just love seeing that. Um, I love having great people around me because they make me look good. So that's pretty important. But those are three things is eye contact, positivity, and leadership potential. Talk to me about that leadership potential, because that kind of connects to the previous question about leadership presence or, or of sorts or command presence. What does it look like? How do you recognize that leadership potential in a potential hire? You know, I really think it comes down to confidence and, and humility. Those are kind of my two big things with leaders. Leaders need to be confident and, and they need to be humble as well. And, you know, when they have a positive energy and they're confident in themselves, you know, they're going to learn. And if they're really passionate about what they're doing, they're going to do great things. And that kind of goes into, again, like the executive presence, like we're talking about, you know, let's just take a sales rep, for example. I mean, they got to go in, you know, they probably have to make three or four touches before they go meet the buyer. They got to influence people from like security guards to like them to uh, what we call bud tenders to like them and then actually getting in front of the buyer and then making the pitch. And it's difficult because these buyers see hundreds of brands every day. And you really need someone who's going to be like lights out, stands out. People love being around them. They love that presence and they want to do business with them and form that partnership. So when you have someone who comes in who's like a leader and like I said, humble, enthusiastic, ready to go, they really can make a big difference in particular in this community. So that's just kind of how that all ties in together. Sure. Then what's the other side of the coin? What's the red flag that would be an instant derailer? One thing I found is when people, well, there's two things. When one, people are being negative, that's where I'm just like, this isn't going to work because, you know, it's almost like when you have a new hire, it should be like a honeymoon period. Like everything's great. Everyone's happy and getting going. If they're already in a negative state, it's like, you just know that the clock's ticking and you better find someone else to put in there. And then really organizational skills. I mean, I will, I'll say it, say if I'm going to work with one of my reps or if I'm taking a potential uh, new hire out. I'm going to send them an email and it's going to have probably about three or four things in there that I'm looking for them to answer and for them to develop a plan. And when I show up and I'm like, okay, where do we want to go first? And they're like, well, what do you think we should do? I'm like, 
this isn't going to work, you know, because right then I'm like, one, you're working with me. So you think you should have your day planned out. But two, I mean, that's, you know, how it is in sales. I mean, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure. And I Mm -hmm. want to hear your thought process of how you're going through and why you're going after certain targets and things of that nature. And if you're kind of sitting there like, hey, you know, I'm just going to kind of spray and pray and see what happens. That's not going to be good. Right. Spray and pray. That's a great metaphor. So I, I want to go back to the example that you used a minute ago, the idea of, okay, we need to be positive, not too negative, but how, so I do a lot of interview coaching with clients who are looking for the next, you know, executive role, et cetera. And there's that question that you mentioned. So why did you leave your last job? Right. So which, of course, if they were thrilled being there, they wouldn't have left, assuming it was of their own volition. And so where's that balance between being positive, but still being truthful and saying, look, I left because I was clearly looking for something that wasn't there. And so where's that balance between authenticity and transparency and honesty, but not sugarcoating or otherwise just dumping? Yeah. You know, and I think there is, it's a very tight rope you're walking on that. But I do think sometimes it makes sense to me because I mean, eventually I kind of got tired of what I was doing in the military and I wanted to go see the next adventure. It's not like I have anything bad to say about the military. It was great. Mm -hmm. I love everything about it, but it was just time for me to move on and do something different and challenge myself. I hear those responses from people. I can definitely relate to that of, Hey, I kind of maxed out where I was, you know, I didn't really was not enjoying this part anymore. And I just want a new challenge. I get it. And you definitely want people like that who want to be challenged, especially in the cannabis community, because it is a very challenging community to be in. So I I could sit here and talk to you like for hours about tax codes and you would just lose your mind, but it is very difficult than a regular small business. Sure. Yeah. I would imagine there are a lot more regulations uh, for your industry than for mine, to say the least. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And being in the state of California, which is kind of heavily regulated. So I always tell people, if you can do it in California, you can do it anywhere. Nice. Nice. Now, tell me about a time when one of your people pitched something to you and the pitch just failed miserably. What should they have done differently? We did have one pitch that came and it was really tough because, you know, someone's like really passionate. They believe in it. And I, and I love that. I love seeing people who are passionate and it just it gets me fired up. I want to go along with them on the journey. But they didn't really think through. They're trying to scale out too quick where, hey, that would be really great. It'd be really interesting to do. And we could be operating in different states, but we haven't really done enough homework here in California yet. There's still a lot of growth that we can do. And they kind of just kind of just like, hey, we'll figure out California, but let's, we we can get some other states too. And it's like, man, we are going to extend way too far where the wheels will just come off. And it was a tough conversation. Like, again, it was a very passionate and it was getting me fired up, but it's like, you know, let's put the brakes on and kind of come back into the real world here. And maybe we're thinking about something we can do in another year or so right now. And why are we forcing a bad decision? So that was one of those circumstances. So what should that person have done differently? They should have come to you and pitched it. How? You know, I think it would have been like, hey, I think for future, we could look at these states, but I would have liked to heard their ideas for how do we expand in Los Angeles? How do we expand in the Bay Area? Things like that, where it's not like, hey, we're just kind of brushing over California. Like we're in over 30 some stores. Let's now go into a different state. To me, it just kind of felt like, are you really thinking through of the business and what we're doing right now? Because it just would have overextended ourselves. And like I said, it was just, we were forcing a bad, bad idea. You know, I always tell people, don't be in a rush to get yourself killed. (laughs) 
That is sound advice if I have ever heard it. Don't rush to get yourself killed. There you go. You heard it here first, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brian, this brings us to the speed round. And these are three common topics that regularly arise in my coaching and training discussions with clients. And people tend to think of them as black and white, either ors, which often they're not. And they also tend to feel like they're the only ones struggling with this. So maybe, you know, you've been successful because you were born perfect and you were born invincible effectively. So if they're not, then how do we let them know that they're not alone, that we all have struggled with these things in one way, shape or form? So first, I'm going to give you a choice. And in a single word or phrase, I'd like you to give me a sense of where your gut reflex is on either one of those. And then I'll ask you for a little bit more insight from there. All right. So first, Public speaking. Now, you sort of touched on this earlier, but I want to go deeper. Public speaking, love it or hate it? Hate it. But yet you're doing it more and more. So can you give everybody one tip for managing their nerves or for learning to speak with more confidence? Absolutely. I always tell people take seven deep breaths, no matter what. I used it in an example when when I was shot. It was a very chaotic moment. Literally, we had Taliban all over us. And definitely part of the plan was not like, you know, phase three, the captain gets shot. That wasn't part of the plan, clearly. So I remember when it happened and I just sat there and I told myself seven deep breaths and I took them and, you know, you can imagine the stress that was happening at that point or actively coming after you. But for me, it just slowed everything down. And you want to talk about communication. I mean, it was kind of funny. I grabbed one of our radio guys to put him next to me. I'm like, I've never been shot before, so I don't know what's going to happen here. And we just kind of looked at each other and started laughing. I'm like, just listen to what I'm saying. And I got on the net and like I said, there was this machine gun fire everywhere but everyone on the team was very calm and cool on the radio. You know, I talked to my number two guy. I'm like, hey, man, I'm shot. I'm going to stay in the fight as long as I can. But you guys start thinking about what you want to do here and just pay attention to everything I'm saying on the radio. And he's like, I'm on it. And uh, as bad as the situation as that was, it went really well. And I just think because I took those seven deep breaths and it just slowed down, gave me more clarity. And we took the fight to the enemy and we ultimately won. I just don't know if I would have been emotional and just start being reactive and running around because, you know, it's like the old saying, coolness breeds calmness. So they saw the skipper was cool and calm with with uh, some shrapnel inside of him. I think everyone else kind of went, OK, he's OK. I'm cool. Let's go make this happen. So for everybody else out there who has the fear of public speaking in one way, shape or form, I want you to hear this story very clearly, because when we all use terms like we're afraid of who's going to try to shoot holes in XYZ, it's shooting holes in an argument, not in your body armor, not in your actual person. So comparatively speaking, when you're sitting there being paranoid about the firing squad in front of you, recognize that it's all metaphor, right? You're not actually going to die. You may want to, but that's different. No one's there to actively kill you. So when you compare what you're up against relative to what he was up against, if he can take seven deep breaths under that condition, I think you can find a way to do it too. So there's your pep talk for the day. Number two, Brian, introvert or extrovert? Where do you fall on that spectrum? I am an introvert. And yet running through bullets. So once again, everybody else out there, no excuses allowed from now on. As an introvert, tell me one strength for you as an introvert and what's an area that you still need to or have had to work on? One of the strengths that I have is I am comfortable being uncomfortable and I can operate alone and I don't really need, you know, to be around a lot of people and stuff. I can still get things done. I think obviously one of the weaknesses was, was just a fear of public speaking. I I mean, I like being alone, like, you know, having my quiet time, but it was really interesting when I found out I was an introvert, I was actually going through special ops selection 
and mm. you have to do a battery of tests. I mean, they, they actually took it from the um, NFL combine. They told us they sat down with the NFL and they're like, why do you guys do what you do? And they're like, we're about to give these kids millions of dollars. We want to find out everything about them. And mm. it costs about $2 million to put us through our course. So wow. we did a wonderlek and then they, they keep going through and asking all these uh, psychological tests and I'll never forget the pink rose that they kept asking me to ever plant pink roses in my garden. And it was like every 15 questions that kept coming up to the point I'm thinking, should I have planted a pink rose in my life? <laughs> so I was like, I don't even know how to answer this one. So um, it was funny when you get done, you're sitting there with a psychologist and they're going through your uh, test. And I'm like, well, can I see what I did? And they're like, yeah, I've never had that question asked, but you absolutely have every right to look at it. So, you know, he went through and you see one big tick up and just kind of skyrockets on this little bar chart. And I'm like, whoa, what was that? And he goes, well, that's your aggressiveness. And I'm like, uh, and he's like, no, this is made for civilians. So we expect you guys to be a little bit more aggressive. We would hope so. If you're going to be running through artillery fire, you know, otherwise you don't want to really be passive at that point. Exactly. So he's like, don't worry about that one. But he's like, what do you think you are? Are you an introvert or an extrovert? And I'm like, I don't know, probably an extrovert. Like, I don't mind being around people and doing this. He goes, you're an introvert, but you have extrovert qualities. And I'm like, really? And he goes, and he, he nailed me. He's like, you like coming home and just having quiet time by yourself, don't you? I'm like, absolutely. Who doesn't? He's like, well, some people thrive around. Again, other after artillery fire, I, I would want a little quiet time to myself again, but okay, that's your context. Go on. Exactly. So it was just really interesting where he kind of pointed out, he's like, you can see in this test, like you have extrovert qualities, but no by definition, you are an introvert. And um, not like that was a big deal to me because like I said, I, I kind of sure. knew I had a public speaking fear, but I overcame that. I mean, heck, that was my major in college. So, uh, you know, just really interesting. And just for the record, for everybody out there, there is technically not a correlation between introversion, introversion, extroversion, and public speaking. I know plenty of introverts who love to be on the stage. They're great at it. It's in their DNA. So if you are an introvert and there do not and you happen to be not good at public speaking, it does not necessarily correlate it. So do not use it as your get out of jail free card. Still keep working on it because you can be great at it too. But wait a minute, I'm not allowing you to move on yet because I got to know what's with the pink roses. It was funny. My friends and I were talking about it over the weekend and I was like, you know, the only thing I can think of is just to see if we were telling the truth. I mean, that's the only way to keep asking the same question every 20 questions. I guess it's once you're consistent. I'm like, but I'll know the uh, the mystery of the pink rose uh, lives on. <laughs> so. All right. So for any listeners out there, if you know the secret to the answers about the pink roses, please write to me, Laura at vocalimpactproductions.com or Laura at speakingtoinfluence.com and set my brain free because now I'm going to be sitting there mulling over this all night going, why pink roses? And forward that to me, please. I mean, it's just been a mystery forever. <laughs> okay. So finally, now this one almost seems superfluous to ask, given everything that you've told us about so far, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because it's a new context. Let's talk about conflict, given this is not armed conflict, hopefully, but when handling more verbal conflict, those potential difficult conversations, is your natural instinct to want to avoid it or to want to run in head first? Uh, run in head first. I mean, bad news doesn't get better with time, right? So you just, you got to address it. We've all been there. We've all had those arguments, whether it be with friends or colleagues or teammates, whatever it may be. And if you just kind of let it go, there's always going to be that awkward tension and everyone can feel it around you. So just be effective. I always say, hey, just go into a room, lock the door and don't come out until you guys figure it out. <laughs> 
or until one of you's, you know, on the floor and crying uncle, who knows, but lovely. So. One leaves, whatever, you know, then, then you were right. I mean, that was actually <laughs> notice <laughs> if, for all those of you who have ever thought about working with me for training, coaching or otherwise, that is not my preferred method. I do recommend that you both walk out vertically of your own volition and smiling and actually civil with each other. So we'll leave the uh, two go in, one come out to the military. That, that yes. was funny because you just it reminded me of like I went through one of uh, one of the military courses I went through and they were trying to teach us about, you know, what is warfare? And it's about imposing your will, right? And mm-hmm. you believe in something over what they believe and you go and do your thing. So when we would have two lieutenants who would argue, they would literally put us into the compression room where we'd ground fight just to see like who actually believed in the argument more. And that's where they were trying to teach is like, warfare is about imposing your will. So if you really wow. believe in something and you have to go to armed conflict, you better be all in and believe in what you're fighting for. And it was kind of an interesting, you know, like I said, not probably the normal way of going about it. But for me, it was just one of those things that really just instilled in me, like be passionate about what you do and be prepared to go fight for it. If you really believe in it. Now that makes particular sense when you are preparing, like does somebody have the fortitude to go into armed combat in the boardroom? I'm guessing things don't usually get resolved with, weaponry, one would hope. So then how do you transition that? How do you take all that conditioning, all that inculcation and shift so that you can take that passion, that true belief in what it is that you're arguing for, but not turn it into combat because you can address conflict without having it turn into warfare. And I I think that's one of the biggest challenges that most people face. They're afraid that it's going to turn into that. So what have you learned as far as how to redirect that energy and address the conflict without the combat? You know, I think you, you nailed it in the beginning where you talked about passion. When I go in there and I'm really believing in what I'm talking about, I'm just so passionate about the mission and what I want to accomplish. It's great to see how people respond because they want to work with you somehow, some way. Like I've been in those meetings where they're like, there's somehow I have to work with you. I just don't know what it is right now, but let's kind of keep working on this and, and developing that. And that's where people believe in it. When you show everything you got and you are 100% into it, that passion just comes off. And people are like, okay, this is real. This isn't some like, well, you know, I'm going to try to sell some cannabis and mm. some stuff with veterans, you know, like that people be like, okay, good for you. But when you're in there and you're like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is who I am. I'm all fired up. I've done this X, Y, and Z. You guys want to be a part of this. And it comes off on me and goes on to them where they're like, yes, let's figure out a way how to make this work. And uh, not that I can go right now, but we're in the middle of making some really outstanding partnerships with some really big individuals. And it's just going to accelerate the company's growth and uh, pretty excited about that. And that's all just because of, uh, you know, myself and my other teammates is kind of doing our song and dance, but really believing in what we're doing. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. How can people learn more about you and the company? Absolutely. Uh, if you guys want to uh, look at our website, it's www.hvgcompany.com. And then you can follow us on Instagram um, at hvgcompany. And we keep everything updated uh, daily on Instagram and also on our website. So you can, if you're really interested in what we're doing on our cannabis research, please follow us and come on this journey with us. And I think you're going to be really amazed at what's about to happen here. Once again, thanks for joining us today. And thank you for your service to the country. All right. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure.
To everybody else out there, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my quick start guide to mastering the three C's, command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Socola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.